Video games are the youth phenomenon of our day. That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, mass effect in my house. The level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. Yeah, my mom just canceled my brother's uh, World of Warcraft account, and he is freaking out. The children are developing relationships with all these Pokemon creatures. And then there's the argument that video games can be art. USS, I can't What started with a little game called Pong only grows with every advance in microtechnology. Welcome to Hit Point Pals, where we gather once a week to talk about the games we're playing and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and pop culture world. This is episode 17, and this week we'll take a look at Total War Three Kingdoms, a strategy game about buddies and betrayal. And a small company uh, 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 tries to kill me. Does first they have unveiled plans for a handheld console with a crank. And what? the mysterious uh, that's what I'm saying. And the mysterious THQ Nordic acquires yet another studio and announces that they have 80 games in development. <laughs> what? what are these games? I don't know, but we'll start with what we've been playing this week. First, I'm your host, Will Suit, and with me today is Caleb Warwick. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 indeed. And Rebecca Markley is here as well. Hello, hello. And our producer, the ethereal Travis Lean. I am in the ether, apparently. <laughs> Damn, well, from the ether, we what? hear you loud and clear. So, why don't we dive on into the games we've been playing? I guess uh, I can start out with... Total War Three Kingdoms, the latest release in the Total War strategy game uh, franchise, uh, came out like two uh, a day ago, I think. Um, it's been getting great reviews. It sucks. It's oh, I'm just kidding. It is the first Total War in a long time that I've really been into, which is odd because I, I've always kind of felt ambivalent about that series. Yet I keep buying the games, so evidently. Yeah. There's some weird like, like I don't know. Yeah, there's man. some weird identity problems know. I've got there, but I've always found like, so yeah, the Total War series. It's all about these like big battles, and those always look really cool. But then you've got your campaign map gameplay, which is like Civilization kind of. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've always found Total War's campaign gameplay to be kind of boring because you just kind of recruit troops and move armies around, and there's diplomacy is like non-existent. And I love diplomacy. I love dealing with like characters and nations and like. Uh, making deals and stuff and the other total wars don't really have that but three kingdoms being based on the romance of the three kingdoms from china is like all about characters and it's so great because there's so many diplomacy options and your generals are all characters and they'll have relations with one another that all these systems combine together to make like a seriously addictive total war game like i i I have loved the Romance of the Three Kingdoms since like I was a lot like younger. I've really liked it. I've played a lot of like the Dynasty Warriors games from Koei, and this is just like this is like my cocaine. This stuff is fantastic <laughs> to like have a general and an army be like really arrogant, and then I I hire him on to join my faction, and he is immediately mad because he wants a higher position, and then it's a situation of well, I. Then you execute him. Well, you you might want to try, but then what if what if he's got like good friends in like other factions? Maybe they'll be like, "This guy's an you asshole." Kill them too. Yeah. The, well, then you have to go to war with everybody, and then everybody hates you. I would not be good at this. And game. then like, <laughs> it's just it's so neat to have like this 
it's this whole dynamic that the other Total Wars don't have where I actually care about the characters and I have a lot of fun playing it. It is seriously, like, I don't know, addictive. The other Total Wars, I kind of get sleepy when playing them after, like, a few hours, but not Three Kingdoms. Like, I I have played it at, like, 1 in the morning. Like, it came out at, like, midnight on um, the 22nd. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll play it for just a little bit and see, you know, how it runs. And I played it for, like, five hours, and it was like, well, I, I've annihilated my sleep schedule. But it was kind of worth it. So that's that's all I've really got to say about Total War Three Kingdoms right now since it only just came out. But uh, I will be playing a lot more of it, and I'll probably play more tonight. But, yeah, I'm 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 hooked. Uh, yeah, I, I got to play just, just a, a bit of it. Like, I barely scratched the surface. And um, I I felt from the campaign map I felt well see I'm like you I like I also have this love hate relationship with Total War <laughs> where there's elements of it that I really enjoy and that I'll play it for but there's also a lot of elements that I think really really drag especially the campaign play mm-hmm. and uh, campaign play in this game had so many new elements off the top that I was just really overwhelmed. Uh, which isn't super fair to say because I've only played like a couple of hours of it, so I haven't really had time to digest everything that's going on. But it seems like there's, uh, there's options for like making friends and having allies and stuff. And I kept getting this notification about one of my generals, who I like. He, it was the only general general so far that I've like hired on who I didn't spawn with. And it kept saying she was like disloyal, and like so every turn I'm like, mm, how do I fix this? <laughs> because I didn't have like tech or anything unlocked to. Is that right? Am I mixing this up with a different game? There was like some sort of like, some sort of uh, levels of of empire or levels of leadership that unlock different um, different options. I I think you know I think that's Three Kingdoms. I think uh, yeah, the higher you are in rank, you can you get more uh, positions in your kingdom that you can give to people to make them happy. Or you can give them, like, items to try and, like, buy yourself some time. Um, I've also read some really good-sounding things about the end game in this title. Uh, I don't know if, you're, if you no, I'm still into a, any of that. No, I'm still a ways off from that. Yeah, I'm. well, I haven't been there, so now I'm just reiterating what I've, what I've read, but it just sounds like... Um, it fixes some of the problems that like Attila or some of the other entries like Warhammer had in Endgame, where you you would get really powerful, and then your final task basically would be to like just try to stand up to these endless hordes of unrelenting enemies. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people that wasn't a very fun Endgame, but it sounds like in this game, you the Endgame state is kind of uh, cyclical, so like once one faction gets really powerful then they kind of end up in this end game state where everyone turns against them but it, it's not an end game like it doesn't end the campaign it can mm-hmm. this can happen again and again as other factions rise to end and like i think it's i think what i what i heard is that if they declare themselves emperor that's what triggers this thing okay and yeah. it's not just one event it can happen many many times hmm. I, I think for me like yeah, like, like I love the battles in Total War. That's like that's the big thing that's in all their advertising is these thousands of troops fighting. But the yep. campaign gameplay in most of the Total Wars bores me to tears because it's just like hitting <laughs> next turn. Like in Civilization, it's always like, "Ooh, I'm gonna build this new thing. I'm gonna do this tech." Civilization is built around that. It doesn't have to focus on like big battles or anything. It's like 
a great board game like come to life and it like does all that stuff really well total war is like an action scene in a movie and then they try and like make a game around it uh, and i feel like now with this game they finally figured out like how to get like the campaign gameplay to be really fun and create like context for the battles so everything like just gets better like I don't, it's just so fun like in a lot of the older uh, older total wars People would go to war with me. I wouldn't really know why, because they're just like a nation and there's not much diplomacy. Sometimes they would reject peace and I wouldn't really know why. But now, like, I can kind of see like, oh, this guy really hates that I did that. He hates that I beheaded his wife. Whoops. Shouldn't have done that. Uh Oh, like now I know why. And I get some context because it's character. So it's like, oh, this guy hates my general because this dude did some stuff to this guy's cousin. Oh, no. And it's like, oh, this is neat. This is stuff I never had to worry about in like other Total Wars, and I'm glad it's here now because it like it provides context. So when I go into a battle, it's not just my big army must beat your big army because I want my big army to win. Now it's like <laughs> I need to beat this dude because this guy is trying to make an alliance with this dude, and he's also fucking this dude's wife. I gotta stop this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, just this little bit of context that really doesn't mean a whole lot. It's it, it changes it in, in like my mind. I don't know. I like these role playing elements. Gets me hooked. Is the, Game of is the diplomacy and the character interaction more like CK2 it, or something? It feels like Crusader Kings 2 light. Like it's okay. I think it's less deep, but it's I mean the fact CK2 that it's, is very deep, yeah. so like CK2 light could be still very heavy. Yeah, and the fact that like it's it's here, it's like, oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Like there's this famous general in like the romance of the three kingdoms, Lubu, who like kills his like adoptive father, Dong Zhuo, and then like takes over and he's like this the greatest warrior in the world, but he just keeps betraying people and he's very arrogant because he knows he's the best warrior until he gets captured and beheaded because of his arrogance and everyone realizes, like, we can't trust this dude. Well, in my game, like, his faction was destroyed and then he showed up as, a, like, a, a wandering, like, a noble in my court. And I was like, oh, oh, yes. So I hired him for, like, 3,000 gold because I was like, yeah, I'm going to have the best warrior. And then immediately he was very mad. And I was oh. like, what? asshole i just made you money <laughs> and then i looked and it was because he was happy that he i had hired him but he was very upset that he didn't have a higher position and oh was, that's what it was in my game it was like she wants a higher position yeah, but i didn't have any yeah I, and i was having that problem so it was like oh god oh no so then i replaced someone with that guy so he would be happy but then a lot of my other lords were like what we've been here longer than this guy why aren't we getting these positions <laughs> And it was like, oh, no, no. But the dude was worth it because he could kill like a thousand men by himself. But it's this problem where I've got it under control now, but I have to keep paying him more and more money and promotions to keep him happy. And that's going to wreck my economy. And then it's this point of, oh, God, do I do I kill this guy before it gets bad? How is that going to affect other people? It's it's just neat stuff like this that has me hooked to this game. Yeah, I like that it's so focused on this one period of time, too, because that's Something I enjoy about, like, CK2, for example, is, like, I can start at a historical start, but then I can just, like, see how badly I can screw up history <laughs> or make it better. One thing whatever. I think is a bit odd is, so the game only has two-player campaign, um, but it's Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I, I feel like it would have been nice to have at least three people. Don't all the Total War games only have Yeah, they only have two-player campaign, and I wish they could have, like, I don't know, at least one more person, because it's three kingdoms. I feel like... Three players. Would oh, have, yeah, like, they have... You can do skirmishes with... Yeah, you can do skirmishes with, like, six two. people, but for a whole campaign, it's only two, and I would really like it if they could add, like, one more person. 
Can you can you have like uh, like three way or four way battles in this game? Uh, I think so. I, I haven't really had them though. Hmm. Well, now that I think about it, maybe not. No, I don't think you can have three way battle. I think you can have only. Yeah, it's only. Yeah, I don't two, know how you would trigger sides. that. Yeah, I, I think in the battles because it's turn based, in, so it's not like armies can all run into each other. Yeah, in um in Rome one and medieval two, I think they kind of had a way in the multiplayer battles to do like six way battles, mm. but I don't think the newer ones do that. And yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, well, that game is built from a structure of player A versus player B. Yeah. So like, if one like if one unit of infantry ran into two and two different enemy units, like I feel like that would be confusing. Yeah, it's not the way it's built. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm 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 very happy with Total War Three Kingdoms. I'm going to play more of it. And uh, yep, yeah. great game, good game, ten out of ten. Uh oh, I had one more question. Is this like is this a good? Would you how would you describe this as for someone who hasn't? been a part of this franchise before like is this um, a good entry point for me for me it is uh hmm yeah i think it's a good entry point i think the beginning just getting used to the game like with any strategy game is a bit like my head hurts um but then you just stop playing and come back to it later and then it's like oh cool like i'm still learning some of the concepts but it's like i don't know i'm really liking it it runs really well it's the best performing total war for me um, which is which is a huge positive. It looks great. The campaign is fun. Battles are fun. There's multiplayer. There's like two player campaign. I think if you're gonna get into the Total War series, I think this is the best entry. I would describe it as like, <sighs> hmm, I, I kind of want to draw a comparison to Civilization because that's like the only campaign, like an overworld map that reminds me of it. But I think those are very different. Hmm. Yeah. People have. I mean, people have been asking. It seems like for a uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, focused Total War game for a very long time, like ever since Shogun Two. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that I- I'm glad that now that it's finally here, that it's actually this good, and that it didn't come out earlier when the series wasn't as strong. Yeah. But yeah, I'd uh, I'd say it's 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 a hot title, and it's a great time if you pick it up. Cool um well here i'll do mine real quick because i don't really have a whole ton to say um i as part of my you know endless journey to get through backlog i got i got caught up on the last of us so i'm i'm all ready for for this last of us 2 sequel um it's good it was good (laughs) Uh, good. especially on a 4k tv with hdr man i don't know it's just like it's not an it's not really an action game so it's like it just everyone looks so good and it's just such a it's like the epitome of a cinematic game i know that phrase gets like thrown around a lot but man i also somehow i managed to keep spoilers away from me so like the ending had completely blown me away as well uh it's it's and setting wise it's like it's a really interesting take on the zombie genre like it's it's supposed to be a part of that genre really but it throws a lot of things on its head i mean for one there aren't really like zombie zombies but it's a lot of elements of the zombie genre but it really puts a focus on humans as the ultimate evil and not the i zombies. really 
What I really liked about the concept of the zombies is how they try to kind of make it like grounded and realistic. Because from what I remember, they based it off of this fungi that would actually grow on ants and mm -hmm. kind of take over their um, bodies, essentially. Turn yeah, them into brains. this like, yeah, and um, it would drive them to like kill each other and like eat each other. And this is an actual thing. I think the fungi grows in like Africa or something. I don't remember the, exactly the context, but they took that concept and applied it to um, humans. So as if the humans could get affected by the fungi and then all that stuff. And I think that was like probably the most intriguing part about the zombies itself because the biggest thing for me getting into that game in general, I know this is about the games you're playing, but um, like I just, the zombie genre is just so overplayed for me. Mm -hmm. So you have to do something good for me to want to play another zombie game, you know, like I could go back and play left for dead. I could go back and play, you know, all the billions of zombie games that are in the catalog. <laughs> but if it's nothing new, then it's just like, you know, but that's it. I like the story especially too. Yeah. But didn't mean to cut you off, Travis. No, you're good. This is, this is what the podcast is for. <laughs> Wait, we're um, on a podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, and then it's been a couple weeks since I played this, but I just wanted to circle back around and, and just give a passing mention to Life is Strange uh, 2 because it's been really good and I haven't really seen a lot of attention given to it. And I think it's because of a couple factors. I think one of them is that the episode releases have been so spread out that it's just a bit awkward because like I think the i think the second episode was out in january and then this third episode came out uh this month and so that's like a five month like time gap for you to pick up something that's pretty episodic like a tv show and just have it pick up from from the last episode basically because i thought you know i found myself going like well, hang on a second because <laughs> they do a little recap but it's still like and see i don't know if this is something to do with like them misestimating their development cycle or what but it's a, a bit unfortunate that that's the way it is and i think it's a really interesting game and i think it's it's doing some really interesting and progressive things with race and uh with uh, gender and sexual orientation um i think it, it's i would say it's a good it'd probably be a good game to to visit after all five episodes are out which will be at the end of this year just because of the weird way all these episodes are being released um and then another thing i i feel like maybe contributing to the lack of attention i've been seeing to it is that like square enix decided to go with the route of we're gonna take the kind of supernatural magical realism elements of life is strange but then get rid of the original characters and put in an all new story. And I think that might have thrown off a lot of people because I don't, I think for most people, the brand of Life is Strange wasn't really about like the world and the magic and supernatural stuff. I think for most people, it was really about Max and Chloe. And because they're ab completely absent in this game, I think that might have been what caused there to be so much less interest in this entry but it's really be interesting weird because it's about it's about two hispanic brothers and um 
in the like right off the bat it introduces an element of like police brutality with his dad being killed with their with their father being killed and with that they get the revelation that his younger brother has some sort of like innate telekinesis that he didn't know about um and so they go on the run and it just kind of becomes this really neat uh character centric like survival experience where you are kind of hiking around the Pacific Northwest with your with your younger brother and you're just trying to make the right decisions as far as like uh, trying to keep him on the right track morally kind of trying to temper this relationship with him where he's so much younger he doesn't really understand what's going on he doesn't really understand what happened to his dad um and he's just feeling really like he's feeling really out of place because of uh, his powers that he doesn't know how to control and so you're trying to balance all these things and it gives you all these options to like go into a gas station and you guys like haven't eaten in a while and so you have like the decision to like do you steal food like do you teach that to your brother that like it's okay to steal food or do you like risk going hungry and it never feels like you make the right choice in this game you always end up at the end of the episode just something goes wrong and you feel really bad about about what's happened and for me i've all i've been trying to take like the most logical approaches just kind of based on what i know about storytelling and about game design and storytelling in games and every time i end an episode feeling like oh shit i made all the wrong choices and i fucked up and i was a terrible brother and I taught my brother to be an asshole. Then I'll go online and see other people's endings. And I'm like, hmm, I actually got the best ending here. <laughs> I, I actually did a pretty good job for what I was given. Um, so, yeah, I, I I, mean, it's a game where, like, whether you've played the first entry or not, which I think the first entry stands up really well still, um, I think it's definitely worth visiting. It's also very grounded in, like, the year it has come out in. It had def- It has a lot of things to say about uh society and race relations uh and the pacific northwest i guess and like the crazy hillbilly people who live in the woods so (laughs) that that element like me (laughs) um does it address like class at all um hmm yeah definitely in the third episode you are like there's been a time jump and now you're you're working with uh you're working with people who are like like homeless people and they they're working at like a uh, what is it called they're working on a marijuana farm uh or like a plantation or something just kind of to get by and they have like this little camp set up in the woods um and so it kind of that episode actually does some interesting th- things with flashbacks where you flash back to like before your father was killed and you kind of play out this uh, this scene in your house with your younger brother, and then it kind of snaps you back to um, to the to the woods. And so, to me, it kind of gave you this feeling of like just remembering how they kind of they they came from this like suburban middle class uh, lifestyle in Seattle, and now they're here in the woods and they're trying to deal with the uh, with the repercussions of that, while at the same time learning about the lives of these other people who are also homeless. Because I was just curious because um, I did this, like, I don't remember who put it together, but it was sort of like this, you're poor simulator and um, sort of like living on a minimum wage job. And then also being like, yeah, and you, you know, need to buy 
you know, school lunch for your kid. Oh, you have like a flat tire and you need that prepared or like, oh, you get fired from your job for no reason. And sort mm -hmm. of like the whole like you have you there are no right answers, like every single thing is the wrong answer um, sort of simulation of just like living in poverty. So like that just reminded me of that. Oh, Okay, wait, what is that called? I need to find it. I don't remember. I will um called look. Horror simulator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something like that. No, it's not. It's it's way more elegant. Um but I feel like there's a lot of those games on Steam. It it wasn't on Steam. Well, not, not it was horror just simulator, like um but, it yeah. was it was put together by like some homeless um nonprofit like mm -hmm. um Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The only game I could think of that where you actually have to like work a minimum wage wage job is like there was there was this game that was introduced that I remember seeing like all these weird game journalist art articles about where there was like it's like GTA and uh some sur bullshit Steam survival game. And it's like you actually have to start at the bottom and get a job, go to school <laughs> and like simulate real life thing. I'm like how would you I don't know. I don't know, um, I guess some people like that, and the cold concept of like actually what you're saying in general about the simulator with, you know, living in poverty, that seems like more educational. Oh yeah, it was definitely way more educational than it was about yeah. like having fun. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, you can get guns, you can kill people, I'm like, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, what have other people been playing? Um, speaking about money, I was playing Mansa Musa in Civ Six <gasps> last night and had yeah. a lot of money, which was really fun. Just sort of like bought an army and completely took over Zimbabwe, which is monster. you know great fun. Um, I don't like colonizing in Civ Six. I don't know. It just gives <gasps> me a lot of like bad feelings. Um, I feel really guilty about it, but. There wasn't really a choice That's good. this game because there was there was no space to expand and grow where I was at. Um, now you see why so colonialism you, happened. Yeah. It sucks. Do you do you do you feel bad about doing it because like it you lose money or like just like the moral ambiguity you feel? <laughs> I feel bad because colonialism sucks and it's uh, horrible gotcha. and I don't like even pretending to do it in my games um so quick that's an interesting that's an interesting phenomenon too because i have that not necessarily a colonizing problem in games but um <laughs> i have a really bad colonizing problem you guys no um i have the same phenomenon it's like you're playing again an rpg or something and you have a couple different dialogue choices it's like be a douchebag um be in the center like you're not necessarily online with everything but so you kind of like want to defer yourself or be a good guy. And it's like, you know, I always tend to like try because I, I feel bad when I'm mean in RPGs. Well, when you have an RPG like Mass Effect and you're given a black or white choice to like help a dude or punch him in the face, which is something that happens in the first hour of Mass Effect 1, by the way. And it's great. Oh, damn. Um, that, that's... <laughs> then you feel bad about like punching him in the face so you wouldn't do that but then if you scale back and look at it in a strategy game it becomes more of an abstraction because you're dealing with balancing all of these different systems and like rebecca said she felt like she had to go colonize zimbabwe to like help her nation survive uh -huh. and so that's less of like punching a guy in the face and more of well the my games. my 
Uh, my um comparison was sorry again like the witcher um you have a lot of dialogue choices where um they actually affect how everything pans out um especially like i don't think any of the really are there there's more than likely a couple dialogue options that are just black and white that i, I, I just can't really think of any off the top of my head but i've had a lot of like multiple dialogue choices that um can drastically affect like one, for example, was um, put a baby in an oven or um, don't do anything to the baby. And it was like, oh, that's kind of obvious, right? Like, why the fuck would you put a baby in an oven? And this is an actual event that happens in the game. So sorry if there's any spoilers. So I put the baby in the oven <laughs> and it actually turns out that was the right choice for me to do. That was the right thing I was supposed to do because it saved it, and it was a uh, it was an interesting scenario. Um, I'm not gonna spoil the details of that mission. I kind of want to keep it vague just for like what the fuck is this game? But um, yeah, it it's just like interesting um how choices, especially in games that we have nowadays, kind of affect like your own moral being. Like you could be a monster if you want to, or you could choose to stay on the good guy route if you want to as well. But you have choices, right? And those choices aren't going to affect anything in real life. At least I don't think they are. But um, I hope not. I hope I hope you colonizing in Civ Six isn't affecting the real world right now. I really hope not. That, but th that's an interesting thing about the whole uh, playing Civ Six, and then you get into a, a position like countries did uh, in like Western Europe, where it's like, I want to keep expanding. I have to go find land. Where do I get this land? And then leads them into this colonialism. I mean, it didn't have to go the way it did, but it that's the way it went. <laughs> um, it's yeah. interesting thing about like, because I know Travis and I have played Crusader Kings 2 in like multiplayer, and there are things in that game where it's like, you wouldn't do this in the, like you you don't want to do this but you kind like of every time i expel the jury yeah like he does this a lot like i don't do it but <laughs> fucking travis does where it's like he'll borrow money from the jews and then expel them from his kingdom and it's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> because i'll get like a notification about like jews fleeing somewhere and i'm like well, it's always your fucking land <laughs> um but it's well that's the thing with like that's the thing with these types war. of it's like this the thing, thing with these video armies. games yeah it's this thing where like it's like oh sorry what were you saying well, or we might say the same thing. It's like you you make certain situation in video games where it's like um, there's no black or white. It's all gray. So you kind of have to make this choice or you have to choose something before yada yada happens. And sometimes it's never the right answer. Going back to that uh, poor game, the poor simulator um, whatever that game figure is called. out what the name of this fucking game is. Yeah, I don't want to keep calling it Properties. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just called McDonald's Simulator. No, um, yeah, going back to that, it's like, there is no right answers. And I really like when games do that, though. It's like, it makes you choose. And nothing is right. Nothing is the right answer. And you kind of have to do it to advance, to you know, do whatever, um, to progress. So, like, it's a choice that you have to make, and just like in life, this is actually a life lesson podcast. This is a positive life <laughs> podcast. Um, just like in life, you're gonna have decisions you have to make that are not right 
all like they're not obviously 100% right, but you have to make the choice regardless. So, I don't know. I like those. But what were you going to say, um, William? Oh, I was just saying, like, you, you get so in involved in these games and you want to keep playing. So, with the mechanics that are there, you kind of get forced to do these things that you don't want to do, but you you have to do them and it just exactly it's just this it's just this terrible thing i remember travis and i were playing and i was i needed like alliances so i married my daughter to his son and i i assumed okay we're good no problems we have an alliance things are great but then later i we, i got to i got to thinking about like okay i'm in medieval europe but there's like different succession laws oh no I don't have a son. The lands are going to go to my daughter who's married to Travis's son. He's going to get all my land. No. So then we start talking about like, Travis, I need you to kill my daughter. It's like, what? No. So we were in this horrible situation where we had spent money on like a wedding and had to kill our kids. I think in the end. Oh, that's like worse than the red. I, I think in the end it was okay because I like I adopted like a bastard child or something to like and fix that. But I think. I think it turned out okay. I'm sorry. Oh, you oh you legitimized a bastard. Yeah, I legitimized. I was like, you adopted someone else's no, bastard. <laughs> it was mine, but I like f legitimized him. And and people were very upset at that. But I said, hey, I, I, it's better than killing my daughter and then my friend's son and ruining his game. So it was great. Or like things. Rebecca, of is that game called Change, Please? Um, let me look. Is it called Spent? I see. I found something called Poverty Simulator. Or is it Spend. called Change a Homeless Survival Experience? Oh. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe if I got one. Of them, it wasn't like a game. It was. Um, it was. I don't know. Just sort of like this cute, sort of like interactive thing on a website. Oh, is it spent? I think that's what I'm on. Maybe. It's called. It's maybe. Poverty Simulator spent. Urban Ministries of Durham serves over 6,000 people every year. Yeah, it was spent. Okay, yeah. yeah. Ah. Oh, it has audio. Yeah. Let me let me not do that. It was very sad. Damn. I'm very bad at being very, very poor. I learned. <laughs> Is anyone really great at being poor? <laughs> Man, you know, I, so. I, I'm content. I'm happy. Um, I've just been playing, like, a diversity of games. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's the name for a cluster of games, a diversity of games. A school of fish, a murder of crow, a diversity well, of games. Well, just like a different, different, a bunch of different types of games, I, I guess. Um, because I've been playing, so I've been playing for the modern game, uh, Breath of the Wild, a lot. Um, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. That game is really fun. I like don't want to stop playing it when I play it. Just because I keep like discovering new places and people and d new things and different like things like kind of interject with each other with side quests and all the puzzles, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's so good. I love it. I really don't want it to end, unfortunately, but um, I I really like it. I see why everybody was always just talking about that game, when it, especially when it came out. But I'm glad I finally came around to it with the Switch. So. That's really nice, but it actually also sparked a nostalgic interest to download a bunch of um, older games. 
Um, I've been playing a lot of... I, I wouldn't say a lot of Metal Gear Solid, but um, I delved into the Metal Gear Solid franchise. I've beat the fifth one. Um, I'm starting fresh with two. Um, and I'm starting at that one, and it is really interesting. I really like that one so far. Um, a lot of interesting mechanics, especially. And so familiar mechanics, because I played the fifth one, but... It's just really interesting to see a game that came out in 2001 still have strong mechanics to a modern game, which is really just kind of shows how it could like stand the test of time. And I really appreciate when games can do that. Um, one big game that I've actually uh, gone a lot through so far is The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Um, that game is really fun. I am enjoying it a lot as well. I I think I've played seven played so not beat but played seven entries into the Legend of Zelda franchise. Um my first one was uh Ocarina of Time. I've played I think I beat that one actually. Uh Majora's Mask I played a little bit of. I beat the Minish Cap on the Game Boy. Um So now that I think of it, actually Played a lot of Legend of Zelda. I never really consider myself a like. I'm not, obviously not a super fan, but like, I don't know. But Breath of the Wild, and then now Twilight Princess. I had the Twilight Princess on GameCube when I was seven years old, and I played the first thirty minutes of it and got really bored because I was seven, and I wanted to go back to playing Shadow the Hedgehog because he said "damn," so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and he had guns but um, yeah uh, re revisiting it I just I don't know I'm really appreciative of the music and just the interesting story and all that stuff and I really I'm in a middle area because I wish I played it when I was little and played all the way but at the same time I'm glad I didn't so I could actually like revisit it and um, play it knowing how to play video games but yeah those are kind of some games that i've been playing and i i've been having a lot of fun with them all those games can definitely stand the test of time that's for sure i saw that you were streaming uh twilight princess uh yesterday oh yes. yeah um i was having some uh, so that i'm using dolphin to emulate it and i think that game to in order to emulate the games i think it uses like a majority of your CPU so um, when I tried streaming it oh man I was getting such it was really bad so I was like damn it's gonna be hard to stream this but I think I fixed a couple things so it might it might help out a little bit yeah that's one game in particular uh, that does not work 100% on Dolphin um, there even if you do get it to run smoothly there are permanent issues with uh certain the graphics. Field. The, yes and also um, yeah your map does not display properly um reflections also in water don't display properly and they're not fixable um i would love to play twilight princess again at some point but i i'm gonna pick up the uh the hd wii version when, when i when i get around to it yeah i i i probably do the same um I mean, what's nice is uh, actually Dolphin has some 
tweaks and patches that they've added mm-hmm. Re- regardless there's um still a little bit of problems with hyrule field but um yeah they added a bunch of like mods and stuff to it and like you could change like link's color of um costume and um all sorts of stuff and i think that was really cool i was like oh that's a cool addition i might like go back through and try some of those stuff out but you know that's just for us pc gamers gamecube gamers back then didn't have any of that stuff well maybe they did i don't know i was just a just playing my Game Boy and GameCube. I, I was I was getting my because I got my uh, my Rift S uh, this week and I was getting it set up and Will and I were in a in a room of of big screen which is a is a movie or is this a screen yeah it's like a movie watching app where you can go into a room and share your desktop with a uh, with a friend in VR and uh, we were just like bug testing audio and stuff and I saw that you were streaming so we just pulled up your your stream and watched you in on the big screen in the movie theater <laughs> like a theater and then i was like oh neat. god damn it and it was like i was like fucking um fixing stuff yeah so i'm like all right hold on oh, oh yeah man, as soon as sucks. we as soon as we had like repaired the audio issues we were having like no sooner had we gotten audio to come through than you said something about can I look at the horse's balls? And we just looked at each other. Like, yeah, I, okay, I had my like virtual monitor in front of me, and then as soon as I heard that, I like pulled it out of the way, and I was like, "What are we watching? <laughs> what is going on?" I was actually reading chat no, by the I, way, I so figured that out. yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, but it, it just um, caught me off guard. He was referring to Red Dead Redemption Two because one big article was that the horse balls actually shrink in the cold weather in oh, Red yeah. Dead Redemption 2. And that was my favorite feature about that game. I'm That's just saying. That's a very Kotaku-sounding so cool. article. I think it actually legitimately was. I, a Kotu- I, love, I love anything on the Gizmodo Media Network, but especially Kotaku is just like there's so many articles like in like in appreciation of the boat guy in Assassin's Creed Origins. And that's the whole article. It's just like you, you picked a thing that you thought was neat, and then you wrote like seven hundred words about it and posted it. It's like, yeah, this is this is neat. That sounds like something I would do if I were to like write an essay about video games. Or the horse ball shrink in winter. Send. <laughs> so much weird shit that people say in my Twitch chat. It's so funny. It just always cut ca- catches me off guard too. I'm like playing, and then I look down and see, oh. Talking about the horse balls of the game of all things. Oh, okay. And then I die because I looked at my... <laughs> well, and on that note, um, we're going to be taking a short break. And when we return, we will talk about a new handheld gaming system with a nice little crank to get crunk with. Uh, as well as the mysterious company THQ Nordic and perhaps some more. So we'll be right back. And we're back with some news about a new handheld gaming system with a crank. So Rebecca, get us crunk by telling us how to crank it. Um, all right. <laughs> so it, um, it was announced on Wednesday, just like a couple days ago, um, by this Portland company that mostly does like um, Mac and iOS software um, called Panic. And they just sort of decided to create a um, some like gaming hardware. Um, and it's really cute. It's bright yellow. I think it's absolutely adorable. Um, 
it comes with like a little crank that I guess you use in some of the games that it that it comes with. Um, it's sort of like mediumly priced at $150 and it comes with 12 games in like the first season um, and it'll be released in early 2020, they say. Um, Is it like steam powered? Like when you crank it, like no, um, it's I it's kinetic energy. No, it the, like the cranking it doesn't it. run it. Unfortunately, it's like a it's they were <laughs> imagining it being kind of like a joystick. Yeah, I I was like before you elaborated on it, I was reading. I was like handheld gaming system with a crank. Like, does that mean like that's how you power it? And that was the only thing I could think of. Apparently, that's what a lot of people thought, actually. And then they were very disappointed when it was not powered by the crank. Energy efficient gaming system. Yes. Now, just just add water. Just the add crank water. is funny, though. I think that's why everyone's talking about it. Yeah, like it's so. Because if it didn't have this crank, then I can't see people discussing this. If it thing. didn't have the crank, no one would care. But it's mm-hmm. like, there's nothing with a crank. Boy. It's like, oh. Oh, cool! And then they even have so. Little... I mean, good, good for them. They yeah. they figured it out, I guess. Yeah. How to get people interested? I don't know. If I was them, I would have a, add a lever. Just saying. A lever. You know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it was like Travis. Remember when we were playing Borderlands, and you're like, I need to make a, a patent like a gaming lever, <laughs> so you could just like pull it. Oh, the uh, the smart lever. The you smart could, lever. You that's could hook right. up to your to your smart home and have it do whatever. Just pull a big metal lever to turn your lights on and off. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to bed. Well, it's because like we we pulled this lever, and I got to think in the game, and I got to thinking about like how you get a lot of these big physical, uh, interactive items in games, like a lever that you like press E to pull. But it's like. Like, I know what this is. I never come across this in real life. Like, I don't encounter levers in my day-to-day life. But it, there's something, like, about the physicality of a big lever, or in this case, like, a small crank on a um, on a gaming console that gives it this sense of tactileness and yeah. visceralness. I also think the, the some of the details are interesting. Like, there's, like, a 12 week game release plan mm-hmm. where they will release one game a week on it and it'll come to you over the wi-fi in the air and the airwaves <laughs> yeah and i i i mean i would assume that these games are being d- developed in conjunction with uh with panic mm-hmm. or uh, they uh they published uh firewatch I don't know if oh. they are uh, developers themselves, but oh, I remember reading they had reached out to like various small indie studios to get games onto this thing, uh, which is interesting. I also think the timing of this announcement is is funny because Razer just announced that they have shut down the Oya store or they're shutting down the Oya store for good. If anyone remembers I, the Oya. I completely forgot about the Oya. Holy shit. Wow. I feel like, honestly, I feel like that's what's going to happen to the, uh, what is that, the Google, Google console or whatever? Stadia. Stadia, yeah. I honestly feel like that same fate's going to happen. Uh, We'll have a better idea, I think, after they announce the pricing details. Quick thing, back about the, the crank. Yeah, on their website uh https you know so 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 on so on play dot date 
You've got like little 3D models of the little thing that you can like rotate. Oh, I've been doing that this whole I, that's, time. That's what been I've been doing too. I've just been I've been zoning out, looking at like the little character run back and forth when they crank. I'm addicted. <laughs> You're addicted to the crank. I'm addicted to that crank. This looks. Oh, this is such a what was that movie nice design. with um that that movie called Crank? What's this? What's the space? Jason the Statham. Jason Statham. Isn't it like he had to have his heart like always pumping oh, well wow um, me too <laughs> his he had to like he had always to, be like moving or yeah, doing, having like adrenaline like, or keep something like an electrical charge or something but yeah okay is that is that what the console is based off of uh no but um <laughs> this is this is very neat oh and the, the little game they show on the at the bottom of their page i believe it's called kranken's time travel adventure <laughs> oh wow this is nice is there a character named kranken yeah it says uh some games are use the crank exclusively like oh. kranken's time travel adventure above wait i actually yeah i really like that i didn't realize until just now he has a little uh he has what is that called he has a little wind up thing on his back yeah, a little uh -huh. key or something play it will cost 150 usd all 12 games in season one will be included in there oh interesting wow I think it's so cute. I love how it's bright yellow. It's so fun. And it's called Playdate. Like, how can you not want that? <laughs> I wonder if it'll have multiplayer? Oh, it's called shit. Playdate? Could you bring your Playdates on, like, the bus and be like, yay. Hey, who else play? has this niche electronic that <laughs> isn't like super Tamagotchis. cheap? And then everyone will look at you like, yeah. what the heck? Uh, you you take out your crank and start cranking it, and everyone's like, hmm, what's going on here? What's this person doing? Yeah, I'm a bit of a is gamer a, myself. Is that a bomb? What's going on? <laughs> it's a bomb. It's, um, I mean, I feel like it's a better position to succeed than the Oya. I, yeah, because oh, yeah. Th mm -hmm. this has, like, a novelty to it, and it knows it's, like, a novelty. It seems yeah. the way they're selling it. Yeah. Whereas the Ouya was, like, an Android phone in a box that was, like, we're going to change the world of gaming. By releasing hardware that's already out of date and it's like all right whereas this yeah you're not going to be running top of the line games on this but it knows that it lets you know that it's it's it gives you unique experiences which yeah. i cannot say for the ouya like yeah. nintendo speaking of top of the line what is the screen on this thing it reminds me of like an e-reader yeah, it's okay, supposed. It's like not supposed to be backlit, so that's cool. But I have no idea what it is. Yeah, <laughs> weird. You're gonna have to play that in the daylight outside, then, like an old Game yeah. Boy. <laughs> oh, I have to go outside now. Oh, come on. But yeah, it's in black and white, which I also think is so cute. Yeah. No, that thing does look like something I would play around with. Same. I definitely want to get one. <laughs> I also think it's uh, interesting because it's like they didn't use any sort of venture capital. Wow, can't talk. And, or crowdfunding. And so it seems like it's very like small, very niche, just kind of like, oh, how does this how does this go? Um, that is cool, though, which I think is really fun. Yeah, it's like it's almost like entirely experiment. independent without even, you know, having like a crowdfunding audience to sort of. Yeah, they were approached by Facebook, and they said no. Don't wow. We want to wow. make our own stuff. That's a very bold move. I hope they are successful with doing so, because I like that. Yeah. I like small companies. 
not being bought out by bigger companies. I mean, Panic has been around for a really long time. They're not like a a small company. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess well, I'd say small compared to, to like Facebook, Facebook and Google. And Google yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of companies, should we talk about this THQ Nordic thing? Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, THQ Nordic, as I, as I mentioned in the intro to this episode, uh, has acquired uh, another studio, Piranha Bytes. The guys, uh, the, I believe they're a German company, and they've made the famous RPG series Gothic, and the latest release, uh, I believe, from them is Elix. Um, and THQ yeah, Nordic. I love when these. I love whenever a THQ Nordic acquired X story comes out because <laughs> none of the companies have any name power, so it's always like, "What did they make? Oh yeah, Gothic. Oh, yeah, that yeah. that that it's, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they apparently have eighty games in development. Um, That's so many. Which yeah, it's just it's absurd. Like if this company, thirty of them have we... been announced. The other <laughs> have not. How many? Okay, so out of all eighty games, I want you guys to say. How many do you think are going to be not just good, but like worth playing? Well, I don't know. It depends on what kind of games you like. I guess and that's I, true. And I can't say because most of them aren't even announced yet. And also, I want to know how this is working. Like, did they... Where are they getting they this money? These, well, they buy these studios. Well, that too, <laughs> but they buy these studios and then like, do they take over the studios? Google. Do they shut down the studios and acquire the staff? Do they have like one big base somewhere where everyone's making 80 games like or is it like 80 of these acquired companies throughout the nation like, that they've just each assigned a game to the first thing like it, there's this game from a long time ago that travis had when he was a lot younger and then i played i borrowed because it didn't require the disc called dungeon lords it's this really shitty rpg there's almost nothing good <laughs> about it but for some dumb reason we've bought it like th- four times we've bought every release I don't know. It's Why? it's a problem, but it's I, I love that. I know that game so well. Yeah, because every time they re-release it, we're like, oh, maybe this will be the time where you can actually beat it. And we'll, we'll we'll buy the we'll new buy version the and start up a multiplayer version. game, and then get hampered by some dumb bug, and then go, hmm. This but it's is why also we never beat this game. one of a kind. There's like no game out there like it in a weird way. Um, in 2012, uh, that game, its third release was called Dungeon Lords 2012. Very creative. Um, and it was being released by a company named Nordic. I had never heard of this company before. It, I, I didn't think anything of it. Whatever. Then I think a few years later, the big games company THQ went bankrupt, and um, many companies started buying all of THQ. Nor- I mean, all of THQ. Yeah, all of old THQ's assets. And Nordic got a few game titles, but also got the name THQ. So they start out. It seems to me they start out this journey of like acquiring millions of studios by first putting on the skin of dead thq and so now they're walking around in this like morbid suit of skin saying yes it is i thq you remember me don't you like i don't know and then from that point on it's just i feel like every month i hear about a new studio that belongs to thq nordic and it's like these studios i played so these studios are so many like um nicktoon based games from thq itself i just i just remember so many i so many titles that i played growing up were from thq themselves actually yeah thq or published by THQ. thq's big market was um 
like movie based and like kid based like tie-in games yeah but of course as like iphones and things got more popular and those games could be made for cheaper uh for those devices like spongebob battle for bikini bottom 2 or whatever wouldn't really sell very well on consoles i don't know man i don't know they went out of business so they went down and hq <laughs> nordic is gobbling up all these studios and it's i i genuinely don't know like so they're acquiring these studios that, like Travis said earlier, don't really have, like, super big, like, name, like, staying power. Like, I kind of know of Piranha Bytes. I, I like some of the gothic games. But you're not going to ask a person, like, dude, are you excited for the next Piranha Bytes game? Like, people will just look at you like, I don't, I don't, I don't, what is that? So they're buying up all these studios and funding new games. 80, apparently. Wh- where is this money coming from? I guess Metro Exodus sold a whole ton. I, I guess. Or it made back their like costs and then some, apparently, within the first couple of months. It's like, dang, I, I want to know the secret to all this cash they've suddenly gotten. I want to get some. Hey, wait. Wait a second. Wait, why Why do you mention Exodus? Did they not publish Exodus? I don't think. Yeah. Oh, no. They didn't, I see. Um... I see. Deep Silver is owned by Cook Media, which is acquired by THQ Nordic. So they, they did. And like, oh, wait a minute. What the fuck? So you're telling me THQ Nordic is not buying. The, it, in this case, it didn't buy a studio. It bought a publisher that owns its own studios. Next thing you know, we're going to be seeing like an announcement that says Playdate has been acquired by THQ. We're excited to announce that we've been acquired by the Nordic family. We will be releasing Piranha Bytes games on Playdate. <laughs> or something. Playdate. This is just a CD project that only has game. been acquired by THQ games. Nordic. Yeah, um, they also said that they're still making Dead Island 2. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who wants that? I don't know. Okay, the last article I heard about Dead Island 2 was that the um, the devs from Sonic Team Racing or whatever was working on that game that after they picked it screwed up. up. That from like done. It'll never come out. <laughs> after they picked it up from like uh, some other developer that like gave up on it. So that's all I know, and that's the only backstory I know to Dead Island 2. And plus, I didn't, the first one was like okay for me. <laughs> so I don't know the demand of Dead Island 2 necessarily. I know there's more of a demand for Dead, um, not Dead, uh, what is it? Fucking zombie game, like literally the same developers. Dying Light? Uh, Dying Light 2. Oh, yeah, jump, I know there's, jumping game. Yeah. Yeah, I know there's more of a following to that. I wonder if they like actually think that like Dead Island Two is Dying Light Two. They're like, wait a second, this is not sequel. Uh, some of the graphics on here, like they've been making money from Kingdom Come Deliverance. It looks like. Oh shit! That was them. No, that was published by Deep Silver, which is owned by Coke Media. That that just just keeps going deeper. I don't know what's going on. So we're gonna buy like a water bottle, and on the back, you're gonna see in small print like THQ Nordic (laughs) or something. Downward Goat Simulator, Darksiders. Wow! Now I see where their funding's coming from. And Will and I discovered that their website was really strange and had, like, a bunch of Microsoft games on it, too. Yeah, I'm not even clear how that, like, I don't know, I'm not even sure on the nature of a lot of that. Like, what Microsoft games? Um, Was there Zoo Tycoon on there? The Zoo Tycoon that was on Xbox was there. Um, Quantum Break, for some reason. Well, Quantum Break's also on Steam, though. 
Yeah, so is the Xbox Zoo Tycoon now. Um, oh, gotcha, And gotcha. from what I could find, uh, the, THQ Nordic penned a deal with Microsoft. For, for something like THQ Nordic was going to bring these games to PC, but their name isn't listed on any of the publishing stuff, so I'm very, I just don't understand. Huh. It's very weird. I don't understand how these big companies work. I don't understand how a company works. I don't understand. Me neither. I... You understand. I've cra he's cracked <laughs> the code. Hopefully next week we will be sponsored by THQ Nordic. Yeah, be great. We're part of the THQ Nordic podcast family. Man, I, st I just think I think they're building towards some sort of big THQ Nordic Smash Bros. Where oh, all my favorite all Piranha Bytes all their properties together and just have one big brawler fighting game. With the characters THQ of Dungeon Nordic. Lords versus the characters of Metro Exodus and Zoo Tycoon. <laughs> Kangaroo joins simulator. the fight. <laughs> it literally has the exact same. Guys, Marmoset is overpowered. Can we please nerf it? <laughs> Comes with one of the top games on Twitch. I'd watch it. Just saying. I'd watch that game. Watch that kangaroo get the shit kicked out of it by a Russian dude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said the kangaroo's going to be getting the shit kicked out of it? Oh, sorry, sorry. Other way around. Hell yeah. Well, there's a really a there's a really great um, point and click game we played many years ago called Nibiru: Age of Secrets. <laughs> yeah, okay, and great. This is now part you... of THQ Nordic. <laughs> oh shit! Now I want to like go back and think of all the games that I've played from THQ in general, and then like know what games are owned by THQ Nordic. Yeah, they picked oh, up the Adventure uh, Saints Company, Row. which released a whole bunch of oh yeah, Saints Row too. Adventure Damn Company it. did a lot of point and clicks. Um, deep silver games. All right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see this. Like, I Homefront. Then there's like all that. <laughs> that <game> sucks. <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah, all the Saints Row games. Fucking. I remember all that hype about Homefront. Like the advertising was like, oh, it'll be this emotional story, even though it's about somehow a unified Korea invading the United States. I, I, whatever sense that makes. And it's like, it's going to be this emotional story of like resistance. And then I remember in like the first 10 minutes of that game, you and your fellow buff white buddy are like knifing a thousand Korean soldiers. And it's like, I'm sorry, we're the underdogs here. It was just, oh, that game's so bad. Yeah. So tone deaf. But this is all part of their plan. For, first, you won't, you won't know what, uh, what Nordic has taken until they're knocking Seems. on your door and they're going to force you to sign a waiver to sign over your house. The THQ, THQ Nordic. Nordic taketh, and THQ Nordic giveth, and AMA on 8chan, apparently. Oh, God. You've heard it here first, we've called out THQ Nordic on their <laughs> evil plans. Soon, I will be found dead by a river. Uh, THQ Hit Squad will be on its way. But, yeah. Destroy all humans. Man. You guys want to hear some breaking news? Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, Nate Nanzer, the commissioner of the Overwatch League, is leaving Blizzard and taking a job at Epic Games overseeing competitive esports. For what wow. competitive esports? <laughs> Fortnite? Fortnite? I'm okay. sorry, what did you say? <laughs> okay. Huh. Interesting. Oh, you oh you said what competitive esports? Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't think of Fortnite any for a bit. And it was like Fortnite. It's like oh, I'm no, I'm it's in, weird because like this is only the second year of the Overwatch League and it's been hugely successful. So, uh yeah, I was just. He saw how much money Epic was making. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Um, what about all the? So, did you guys see the controversy with uh, Epic and their sale? Yeah, I bought some games <laughs> before they. Uh, oh yeah, that was sale. a fucking mess. Yeah, Borderlands Three and um, I forgot the other game. They like pulled out of the Epic Game Store after that. Vampire the Masquerade deal. Bloodlines Two was the other one. Yeah. Like, that's actually a pretty big deal. No, no, no. They like, didn't I, pull out of the Epic Game Store. They temporarily are delisted while the yeah, sale's yeah. going on. Sorry, I should have said pulled the game from the, from yeah, the yeah. platform for whatever. From the sale. However, I'm much time. still confused about why. I think, Will, you explained this to me better I, the I, other I think day. And I for still Borderlands, confused. I think what they had said or something was, or maybe some of the speculation was these companies weren't too happy about the idea of their games being available for a lot cheaper on this one storefront for pre-order. Like, mm. if you can get a game well, cheaper that, somewhere... that devalues the game. Once it's out, yeah, because then they can't, like, drop prices later as much. Whereas by keeping yeah, a game at a exactly. high price at launch, you can do slow discounts. Like, Call of Duty is infamous for that, where it's like, their games stay a high price and very, very, very slowly drop. If they, if they get cheap now, it's like, they're not going to have as much room to do that, because people are just going to wait... Yeah, they're like, oh, I saw this game that was um sixty dollars for fifty dollars. So before it even came out, spend... so yeah. yeah, before it even came out, so I'm not gonna spend sixty dollars on it. So it's just like an artificial um devalue of the game when just in sales in general. Like think of like Steam games, like new games come out and then like a month later, sometimes you'll see a sale for like ten percent you know, or something. Yeah. Or, um, sometimes I'll even it'll even go like half off some sometimes but that's oh, only like really bad occasions. yeah well not necessarily if they're really bad because there was a, i forgot what game it was but it was like um it might have been like three months though not necessarily one month but um it was just like half off for a second i was like what the hell i think an infamous game and for me that was like really really great but then like it, it, the plans for future installments were dropped and then it got dirt cheap was uh deus ex mankind divided i loved that game Oh, but then, yeah, that was like, a good one. That game did not sell super well, so Square Enix was like, all right, we're not going to make a third one for the time being. And then that game went to, like, $7 in, like, a few months. It made me sad. That was a good game. Yeah. Was, I liked that game a lot. I guess, I'm, I guess I'm confused from the perspective of a company where your game is on the Epic Games Store, Epic Games is having a sale, and they're paying you the balance of the sale price. I'm just confused why as a company you would make the decision to say we don't like this i, well, I think it's just the case of then you doing sales on other storefronts later won't be as impactful like keep yeah, the game exactly. at the same price across storefronts that way you get people who really want to play the game paying the highest price and then you can control when you drop your prices very gradually by having them a lot cheaper up front you're going to miss out on that money there and you might not exactly, have as much power to yeah. drop it later and that's where a lot of companies get their, um, basically, the like, a lot, a lot of, of their money is the pre-orders and those initial release uh, sales. It's like, it's always going to be 60 bucks. Um, well, I mean, not always, but, like, right now, they're expecting it, um, the $60 price tag, and they're getting the new game. That's where they get a lot of their um, sales in. So if you devalue that to even just, like, 50 they're losing $10 for each person that buys that game, right? And that's initially when it comes out. So they're losing, um, what would that be like? You know, ten percent or whatever. And, and of even if their initial sales. And even if the um, 
the price is being subsidized by the Epic Game Store that'll influence the other storefronts that don't have that sale. Oh, exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't understand the economy. And then that would also leave that artificial like um, devalue of the game in everybody's heads subconsciously. Like, I saw this game for fifty dollars, and now it's back to sixty dollars. I'm gonna wait for it to be fifty dollars again. Even if it's just ten bucks, people still do that. I do that personally. So, like a lot of people do that. So you see a game for a certain price, and um, it goes down. It's never gonna go back up in your head. That's why you just use isthereanydeal.com. That way, if you miss a sale, you get an email <laughs> when it goes back on sale. Wait a second, Wait, Travis. This podcast is <laughs> sponsored. Think, Travis. Think about it this way: you and I have seen. I've been thinking about getting Sea of Thieves, but we've seen it at thirty dollars, and we've been waiting for a sale. Yeah. Rather yeah. than exactly. never seeing it go. My for point 30. proven. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. I'm gonna points. <laughs> Guilty. But yeah, and I just leave the podcast run outside. Man, I don't know. It sounds like people are pe- pe- sounds like people are making a big deal over ten dollars. Well, it's, it's more than people, ten. It's more of the <laughs> company. <laughs> it, uh, remember, no, I'm sorry. I people. like to clarify. <laughs> I meant people in this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Man. I don't know. Man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you asked us to explain it. No, I did. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. Economic concerns drive you to do all sorts of things. We can ask Rebecca. Like, she subjugated a whole bunch of people and went on colonialism all, all over that <laughs> money and that, that land. <laughs> over that 10% more know, land. You know what's really funny about that situation, though, and why I brought it up in general? Um, it gave me false hope that there wouldn't be a delay for Steam Borderlands 3. <laughs> I was like, oh, does this mean it's going to come out on Steam the same day, maybe? Maybe Epic Games makes them mad and they go back to Steam. Nah, man. Yeah, so it gave me false hope. Oh, but then, like, but, then they, it. but then they have to give back all the money they took for the exclusivity. Do they have to, though? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be a corporate. If that was them, I'd just be like, haha, sucker. Yeah, and then the company and then would be get out sued of because the, I signed a contract. <laughs> you get sued into oblivion. And no, no one I, I, I know. They, they signed a contract and everything. I know. I'm not. Promise I'm not that stupid. I promise. Come on, you guys. I was just goofing around. That's me as a company, like as one person as a company. Hey, corporations are people, according to the United <laughs> States. So, no, they're not. I, I agree. I'm, they aren't. I'm the uh, epitome of THQ Nordic as a <laughs> company. <laughs> now I'm lost. What is going? What dimension? Exactly. Exactly. I am THQ Nordic. What does that you've even mean? You've that's already imagine, lost. Like, you're already bought out. Damn. That's how I imagine like their their meetings are like, hmm. So we have to come up with some ideas for some games. Let's see, what kind of games do we have on file? Oh, we have. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they, oh, okay. they put them all on a dartboard and just throw a bunch of darts. Even the Epic Games talk comes back to THQ Nordic. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's it shows how relevant THQ they are. Nordic's you know what got I'm me saying? fucked up. All right. Uh, any anything else we've got to bring up? Sonic. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were gonna go somewhere. Sonic, Sonic got d- delayed by three yes. months. That makes me really happy. Was it more than three months? I don't remember. It was till Valentine's Day of 2020. Oh, Hell yeah, it's the perfect Valentine's yes. Day. Yes. it's gonna be. It's a date movie. <laughs> it was gonna be like the biggest surge of breakups of all Valentine's Day marketing. Time. That would be so funny. He's like, uh, 
meow and that's like all they have for valentine's day mark yeah we'll marketing. see sonic instead of when he looks into the camera and says gotta go fast he'll look into the camera and say gotta get into a healthy relationship and respect your significant other <laughs> then he'll zoom down the street and it'll say this valentine's day but like it still shows his mouth moving as if he's saying gotta go fast <laughs> it's just a voice really bad from voiceover. an intern so it's just like in a broom closet <laughs> And as the CEO or whoever's the head of marketing is looking at it, he's looking at the video cross-eyed. Like, it's perfect. This is it's perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> oh, God. I that's mean, good, though, because yeah, like, that's going to leave a lot of, uh, hopefully, some leniency on the um, video guys. The visual <laughs> effect. Video I, had guys. Brain, I had a brain fart. Visual effect people. Video guys. Can we call vid uh, video effect people video guys now what about video, video i mean video people video effects you want to use umbrella terms i guess it's video, video guys video folks but guys is oh, video games guys, video guys. Yeah. use video folk yeah, yeah. folk <laughs> folk is folk is my favorite non-gendered term to use mine too video person y'all videos <laughs> what <laughs> y'all what y'all know about y'all is this videos? the conjugation of the videos what's going on Vidiette, vidiem, video, video. <laughs> um, I read a interesting piece on Kotaku called "Shady Numbers and Bad Business Inside the Esports Bubble," and it just kind of takes a general like look. It take, kind of takes a step back and looks at some of the incidents that have happened in esports over the years, and how there's a lot of hype around esports and all of these big companies like Toyota is sponsoring the Overwatch League and big cable companies like Cox all get in on 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 this but it talks about how like a lot of these teams competing are not really making any money um and teams are buying like million or like 60 million to 80 million dollar team slots to get into the Overwatch League but they're and they're playing like they they're paying player salaries and all that but they're not really generating any money and there's just a lot of really interesting points they bring up like uh, reports that are really shady that seem like really inflated view numbers as far as esports views there's been a funny headline passed around a lot about how like the lcl world championship was watched by more people than the super bowl which is an absolutely false statistic that is inflated by just like the random views that people get from the twitch homepage and stuff during an event like that and does not at all uh, does not at all equate to the the Nielsen measurement that they use for Super Bowl viewing, which means that you have to uh, be watching for six minutes or more for it to count as a view. That doesn't exist in the esports space. Um, and then just a lot of the drama that goes on behind the scenes, as far as like players getting shafted by organizations who are dealing with just so much money and bogus amounts of money being thrown around because there's really no template for this business yet. And I think the most interesting point that they make though, is that there might, they, they kind of frame it where you start thinking about like, could there be a pivot away from big organized esports towards more influencer focused content? Because a lot of influencers are doing just as well if not better at pulling views and i see that every weekend when like when slasher on twitter will post a comparison every weekend of like ninja or someone and their live view count compared to the overwatch league or 
League of Legends broadcasts that are going on at the exact same time. So that's just a, an interesting piece I found. Uh, a good thing to read also, especially as someone who has been involved in esports and is aware of a lot of the shady backroom dealings that go on in a in a space like in a just like a startup business space like this where there's there's so many people who are so excited about things but none of them have any actual business experience and it just leads to this really convoluted situation so i wonder what uh wonder what nate nanzer's gonna go off and do with epic now like for a lot of people he was he kind of became like aside from like jeff kaplan he was one of the big faces of the Overwatch League, uh, so it's really interesting that he has kind of is is making this move now. He was like he at the he became like meme status in the Overwatch League. So I think I'm sure it's different behind the scenes, but I think a lot of people associated like the quality of the Overwatch League with Nate Nanzer, uh, with him being the person who's the commissioner and all that. How do they make money? Is it just from like advertising and like merch sales? I, yeah, I think a lot of it's merch sales. Um, I, I think some... I don't know. I mean, there's prize money that gets thrown around. I don't really know how esports organizations make money. It's really strange. And nobody... In this article, they mentioned that no, like nobody would respond to them. Nobody wanted to talk, and the few people who did didn't really want to say anything. I know in, um, in Rainbow Six, specifically Rainbow Six Siege esports, um, sometimes they will have uh, specific uh, microtransactions within the game that go directly towards the prize pool. That's um, true. In um in the over in Overwatch you can you can buy five dollar a piece uh team skins for your heroes. And mm-hmm. I, I think those supposedly go directly to the teams uh that you're buying the skins from. Yeah, and, and the same thing is uh, again in Rainbow Six that same thing too, like Rogue and But they also talk stuff. about these third party companies who are brought in to do metrics and how that's where a lot of it gets really foggy and so no one knows if that if that money actually gets back to the teams or or if it just goes straight to blizzard or if blizzard takes a cut or what mm-hmm. it's all very under the rug i'm assuming that like you know with um physical physical sports and such like you know basketball football and stuff a lot of theirs come from like um just merch and um their specific channels that they have on like cable and all sorts of other like um ways of revenue um ranging even just from like um, ticket sales at their specific stadium and yada yada um i wonder if the same situation is for esports in general because um i mean you know i'm not sure how much ticket sales would be for those if they're gonna have them in like a stadium and such that's the other thing is like the overwatch league uh through this year has been just playing in their one location in los angeles so it's mm-hmm. not like the teams have home stadiums, and that's supposed to change next year. But yeah. I mean, for two years they've just been running on the same model of, and and that's what every other, um, that's what every other competitive esports does as well. And plus, like I, I'm assuming that like Twitch views might actually help that out significantly, ranging from like advertising and stuff like that. I'm sure advertising is a huge um, factor, especially in their um, profit interest as well that's typically what it is if if i can't figure out like what's gaining the profit aside from like thq nordic um yeah i, I, I mean just, jerseys get sponsored assume, and then just yeah sponsorship i just assume it's the with, sponsorship or something 
I I see a lot of social media sponsorships with uh, esports teams. Um, they, they and then like video content too. A lot of times we'll get uh, sponsored stuff in it. Sometimes all sometimes all of their video content is sponsored. It's like here's here's your update of the week brought to you by Slim Jim or whatever is on the docket. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I used to kind of be into esports, especially like Rainbow Six, like it because that's really my only um well i wouldn't say only uh kind of like the halo stuff too but never really caught on but i know there's a big demand for it um yeah i don't know isn't league of legends like the most popular one yeah i think league of legends by far is is still kind of the dominant one just because of mm -hmm. how big the scene is in korea i can imagine jeez League of Legends and like, I'd say like what Overwatch would be the second one. Does that um, seem to say it could be. I mean, or is there I, a bigger one? I think it's it's I, it might be the biggest uh, U.S. based one. I know uh, actually, Call of Duty has a pretty big esports following though that as well. But I just don't know how it is right now. So yeah, I. Call, the Call of Duty events, my understanding was they don't really have as big of a following as they used to. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of comes with the games being so stale now. Yeah. Like, I understand, like, Call of Duty and Halo kind of, like, there was a lot more hype around them back in the day, but also there wasn't a whole ton of hype around esports in general uh, during the time when they were in their prime. So it's just kind of an interesting uh missing of the window there and the time's not aligning correctly i would assume dota 2 games. would certainly be up there oh, i fucking i always forget about that game just so big i don't is it is it as big as we think it is though oh, i'm dead certain it's it fucking is. massive it's huge well, i mean i have I'm relatives saying, in the philippines like who were like really excited to go to one of the um big dota uh championship or like one of the big game league games like a few years back damn that's cool. Well, the reason I the reason I'm asking in a, is because like I um I guess I just like base uh popularity on esports based off of like the ones that I hear the most of. Um that's really all it is, so it's just not I don't know like anything about these games or like their popularity in regards to esports. It's just like, oh, I know like League of Legends is the top right now. Yeah, I, I would assume Overwatch that. I would is pretty assume high. it's like the so, top. Well, that's a, like that's another part of it is that like Dota. numbers are kept very under the wraps. Yeah, so, so aside have, from like what you can extract, what you can what you can uh, distill externally is like, you, you, I don't know. Then it's just a guessing game. Um, like they don't really release figures on on views, and then when they do, it's it's very inflated because they're trying to build their pitch decks to get sponsors. And to get people like Toyota to sign on to do a pre-roll every time they start an Overwatch League match this season, which is obnoxious to me but it's also like this is where the industry is heading man there's just so much like bad business practice that this article details and then you get stuff like there's been an influencer in the news lately uh tifu who is uh disgustingly rich but he's suing his organization phase because he wants more money um and he says that his like contract was unfair which usually they are and I, like esports organizations have a bad history uh just in general across the board of 
kind of knowing that their players are so young and so excited to get into the game that they will definitely take advantage of them uh, in their contracts. And so there's been kind of a push. Like I've seen some people kind of try to get into the scene of like esports law where uh, players are kind of entering an era where it's beneficial for a lot of them to be represented by lawyers now just because they're not really capable on their own of understanding and making the best decisions as far as getting into contracts with these orgs that's um, so crazy so, yeah it's just a it's a very it's a very insane uh scene it's it's like it's interesting that there's been so much talk about this with tifu and like it's good that he has kind of brought some some light to this broader issue it's just like because he's kind of like ninja, right? It's like you don't, you don't fucking need any more money. Like you're just doing this because you want more money. But you're also raising some good points about like kind of a, a, a shitty contract that you maybe didn't know too much about before you went in and, and signed. It, it's like ninja getting that one million dollar. I don't. Was it a contract? No, it wasn't a contract. It was like oh, hey, we're paying a million dollars to play Apex. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I, I don't know. It just kind of like dawned on me like, wow. Like, these guys make so much money. But it's also like... And I don't realize how... Like, it, it was cheaper for them to pay him $1 million than it would have been to like run ads all over the internet. Oh, yeah. he's guaranteed his like, big audience. That's so just like... It's, it's so cheap for them. And it's this new world of advertising. Influencer marketing Seriously. is so crazy. Nowadays, hey guys, I just found uh, out about this new game. You gotta play it. It's so cool. Is it Game of Thrones Conquest? <laughs> yep, the official no, licensed browser game of the hit show. It's Gothic 2. What's up, guys? I found this new product. You gotta play it. It's called Playdate. You gotta pick it up. It's the hottest thing out there right now. How do you think Ninja feels like before he gets on Fortnite? Like, how tired of the game do you think he is at this point? Oh, probably very. Like, I just, I, I regardless of how much money you make from that, like, I obviously you make a shit ton of money doing this, which, you know, but he's gotten used to that now. So it's like, imagine playing Fortnite every day for eight hours a day. Yeah, no, what, no thank you. I, I don't know what, I wouldn't know what I'd do with my mentality. Like, I would not know how to act in society. <laughs> He's. I've seen I, I think bits so. from him before, and I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't really like Ninja. There's like a lot of problematic stuff about him. Oh yeah, like I, the, I ex excluding him. women and all of that. But um, uh, the N word also. But somehow he gets away with that. Um, what was I gonna say? I know um, PewDiePie got more flack from that. Oh, but I've seen him talk about how like it felt really relieving to him to be able to play a different game for a bit, like Sekiro, and then like but but also noticing that like if he was playing anything other than fortnite fortnite i'm sorry if he was fortnite. playing anything other than fortnite his his draw his views would just tank uh and with well, yeah, that, that his his the money he's making so that's that's another thing too is i i saw that like um when he went to go do like this like fortnite tournament he had to not stream for like two days and he lost like I don't know what the number was, but like a shit ton of subscribers for doing that. It was weird. Just because he didn't stream for like two days. 
I was like, damn. Yeah, and that's another thing is like for a lot of competitive players, like it's really beneficial to go to a tournament that has like a hundred million dollar prize pool or whatever. But then like for Ninja, it's like you you could have just like stayed home and like made just as much yeah. money probably. If I was him, uh, I don't know. I, I, if I was him, I'd still probably go to that because I'd be like, I need to get. Yeah, he probably out needs to get out here. and do things. <laughs> like I'd be. Yeah, I'd, like I need to get the fuck out of here. My, I just, I can't. Uh, I would hate to have to play games all day. It just sounds. How much terrible. longer is Fortnite gonna stick around, though? Is it gonna be like evergreen, like Minecraft? I don't know. I don't know. I, dude, it, it it's just weird because like, there's so many points where I thought it was gonna die, but it just it just keeps on trucking. <laughs> like it's still at a consistent like three hundred thousand viewers on Twitch. And I'm just like, it makes sense to me though because this is one game, aside from like Minecraft, that's literally on every single platform it could be on. Mm -hmm. So it's like the most accessible. Plus it's free to play. So, I mean, if you have that and it's on every region of the world and everything, it would make sense to why. And it's consistently updated too. So. It would make sense to why it would maintain a popularity like that. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, the most casual gamer that follows Fortnite every day and watches Ninja streams every day, eight hours a day. Like, this is, you know, it changes constantly. It is free. That's variety, I guess. And if and, they you know, just snagged Nate Nanzer from the Overwatch League, then they're, I mean... Like, the Fortnite competitive scene hasn't really taken off yet, but they're clearly making some sort of push here. Yeah, they want to do some. Maybe they won't even do it with Fortnite. Maybe they'll do it with a new IP that they make or something. I can dream. Who knows? They more than likely will going to do it with Fortnite, but yeah. still. It's like, how do you do that, though? I don't know. Just we'll have to find out. Thank you for joining us this week on Hit Point Pals. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and tune in next week for a brand new episode. You can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com, and you can find us on Twitter with the handle at hitpointpals. If you do feel so inclined, drop by iTunes and leave us a review. And if you're enjoying our weekly chats, all we ask is that you help spread the word about our show. That's all for this week. Someone needs to, someone needs to give us some words. Some Rebecca, words give us wisdom. some words. I don't have any so words. Who has words of wisdom? I have no words of wisdom. Um... Make sure to change your toothbrush every three months because uh, it's dentist recommended that you do so so you have clean teeth. <laughs> That's right. And we, the Hit Point Pals, are very big fans of dentists. We love keeping our teeth clean. We love fighting gingivitis. Tweet us pics of your gingivitis-ridden gums and we'll tell you <laughs> our favorite tips on how to Don't clean do that, that up. No!